Under ruse. Hey, everyone. I get to keep the suit? Of course. Doesn't fit me. Just don't do anything I would do. And definitely don't do anything I wouldn't do. There's a little gray area in there, and that's where you operate. What's up, guys? Wait a minute. You want the real Avengers. But this does not mean you're an Avenger, in case you're wondering. Uh-oh. It's not a hug. I'm just grabbing the door for you. All right. Good luck out there. Hello, everyone. Welcome back into the Spider Cast. I am your host, as always, Ruby. Um, this week, I stand alone, the sole bulwark against the hordes of MCU Spider Man haters. That's um, that's my line. I'm sticking to it. I don't have a guest this week. A combination of poor planning, cancellations, etc. And yeah, but that's okay because you know what? I'm taking the chance to to use to use this as like as my platform as a bullhorn to tell you why for once and actually stay on topic the entire show instead of jumping around because I have a guest who distracts me. Not that I care too much. I've loved all my guests that have been on here for the most part, but you know, it's easy to get distracted. I think like, you know, it's like, it's not that big a deal because these are all older movies that everyone's seen. I'm mostly recapping all the live action movies in anticipation of No Way Home, especially since No Way Home is bringing elements in from all those movies. It kind of made sense. And, you know, Venom was just because Venom had just come out. I was like, you know, why not when it's at peak relevance? A bit silly to start a Spider-Man show with a topic that's like not Spider-Man, but, you know, it is what it is. That being said, as previously stated, I'm going to be giving my thoughts both on, because this episode was supposed to be Spider-Man Homecoming and Far From Home and likely touching on his appearances in Civil War, Infinity War, and Endgame. I'm still going to do that, but I'm also mostly going to use this as an opportunity to talk about some things and like respond to some criticisms of the MCU Spider-Man that I think are extremely out of place or I guess misguided maybe. So first we're going to we're going to keep it simple. We're going to touch on the movies, right? Starting with Civil War because that was his first appearance. I'm a bit biased. Of course, like I probably wouldn't like Civil War all that much if Spider-Man wasn't in it. And he's only in it for like 20 minutes, but like still it elevates the entire movie for me. 
it's like it was it was a it was a big deal at the time because you know we'd just come off the um the andrew garfield movies this was a super super last minute announcement they put it in the fucking trailer which i wish they they didn't because i i didn't follow like rumors and leaks at the time it was what 2016 i was like 17 18 i barely kept up with 16 yeah i was 18 wait when did it come out in 16 july if it was july then i was 18 if it it was before june i was 17 doesn't matter it was it was a big deal i had didn't know about it until the fucking trailer came out if they hadn't put it in the trailer i think i literally would have died of cardiac arrest in the theater if just out of fucking nowhere you know because in in civil war when it happens you get a whole scene of peter and tony before he shows up the way he does in the trailer which is in his full suit and just a surprise spider-man tony goes tony stark goes to queens to pick him up which is kind of a ridiculous plot point tony's like i need help to get Captain America arrested because he's going to have help. So I can't just show up with one person or by myself. So he's like, well, what do I do? What do I do? do?" And he decides, hmm, let me go get this 15-year-old kid I found on YouTube. He probably has superpowers. That's like something. Which, like, in hindsight, maybe it's not too big a deal. Because he knows that Steve Rogers and all the other superheroes are not going to kill anyone. Like, even in the Civil War comic, the first death would like it, like, superhero on superhero kill happened kind of by accident because it was a clone of Thor that was like emotionless or something. And it punched straight through Giant Man's chest, who was not Ant-Man, by the way. Giant Man was a different character. Uh, pretty sure the guy from Ant-Man 2, who the... the I don't remember his name. Point, it doesn't matter. A bit distracted. There isn't really meant to be deaths in Civil War between the heroes. They don't want to kill each other. Tony knew Steve and the others wouldn't kill anyone. So he wasn't really putting Peter in danger. And he knows what he's capable of, like stopping the bus and shit. But it is a bit silly for this old ass man to be like, all right, I know what to do. I'm going to go get this sophomore in high school to come help me. But it was fantastic. He met Peter. It was, P- Tom Holland's performance was like on point. His appearance in that movie was his most youthful. That haircut fucking he looks like 13, to be completely honest with you. I think it just I think it works really well. It works in establishing Peter unfortunately see okay so that leads us into homecoming right and i'm going to start with what i don't like about homecoming in the homecoming suit and by proxy the civil war suit is my favorite on-screen appearance like look suit for spider-man andrew garfield's in amazing spider-man 2 is also really good and it's probably the most comic accurate look we've ever seen but mm, the the homecoming suits just much better to me i don't like the raised webbing i like the like embossed webbing pattern 
in the suit, you know. I like the eyes. I like that they can move. I like Andrew's ASM2 eyes because they're so big. I like big buggy eyes on Spider-Man suits. But uh, and the big fat spider on the back is it's so good. It's so good. But in Civil War, what was just the suit? You know, Tony, you knew Tony gave him the suit, uh, whatever. But it was just a suit in Civil War. So I got to enjoy it a lot. But in Homecoming, it becomes this Iron Man armor, which, okay, before I get ahead of myself, right, let's, uh, we're going over Homecoming now, which is my favorite live action Spider Man movie. Like, period. It's my favorite one. I can rewatch it like endlessly. However, right, let's, okay. Let's do this. Let's talk about it. I'm I'm an adult. I can do this. The good, right? I'm talking about, uh, should I leave with the good or the bad? I'm going to leave with the bad. That suit. I. The tech is just too much. Flat out, it is way too much. The thing is, right? So, so, so here, so the controversial thing about Spider-Man in the MCU is mostly his relationship with Tony Stark, right? And by virtue, the suit and the tech and all that stuff. And I understand that criticism and I understand not liking that. However, right? Okay, you need to kind of consider a few things when looking at that relationship. I'm not a huge fan of it. I would rather Peter be on his own. He's always kind of famously on his own. Even in the comics, if like the Avengers show up, he's like starstruck because he never gets to hang out with them. He doesn't get to see them. Like whether he's a kid or an adult, doesn't matter. He doesn't get to interact with them. So it's a big deal for him. So he's he's used to being on his own. But you need, so here's the thing. It would be better if it weren't that way, but it was never not going to be that way. Because consider the fact that they're bringing Spider-Man into their established Marvel universe, right? The goal originally was to have Spider-Man be one of the central MCU heroes and cast him back at the beginning of the movies. I'm pretty sure, don't quote me, but I think Feige tried to go to Sony and Pascal and work the Amazing Spider-Man reboot into the MCU and they refused or like they wanted to do a bunch of stuff that Feige refused to do, you know? So that never happened, but he was originally going to be that way. And I am fairly certain, almost 100%, this Iron Boy Jr. thing would not exist if they had done that. Because Peter would be established on his own. He would be on his own from the beginning. But they brought him in later. So they brought him into an established setting. And they wanted to get him in there and get him in the team-ups and get him in all the big stuff as quickly as possible. The only way they were going to do that is if he was basically chaperoned in. And in that sense, you kind of really only have two options. You have Iron Man and you have Captain America. None of the other heroes are prominent enough to be Spider-Man's mentor. So let's look at that. Captain America would not make a good mentor character, I don't think. But that aside, it wasn't possible. Because at the point in the time, see, there's a problem with serialized like storytelling. This is the bad part of interconnecting all these movies. At that time in the overall plot, 
Steve Rogers was a war criminal and like on the run from the government or whatever. They joke about that in Homecoming. And you can't really have him be Peter's mentor at that point, if he even would. I don't think it really fits his character. If it did, he would have been a better mentor because he would have instilled the values in Peter that I think a lot of people expect Peter Parker to have, right? But that's, it just wasn't meant to be. And ultimately, I, I don't think Steve Rogers would fit that role. So then you have Tony Stark, who really, I don't think, fits a mentor role either. But he is kind of the leader of the Avengers, so it kind of makes sense that he would. Like, that's kind of some, like, off-camera stuff, you know? Like, the training at the Avengers campus after Age of Ultron is kind of, off cam- like, off-camera stuff. Where they set up their living arrangements and they do superhero training or whatever, you know? So, it, like, it kind of it fits in well enough. So, they had an in. Get our biggest superhero to be like get our biggest superhero in general. Spider-Man is the most popular superhero in the world. And pair him with the most popular MCU superhero, which is Iron Man. He's been there since the beginning. He's the most fleshed out. He's the most, he is the core of these movies besides Steve Rogers. So he works to get Spider-Man in. Now, let's fast forward. We get to uh we get to or not fast forward technically. Fast forward from when I was talking about. They wanted to put him in at the beginning, etc. So, yeah, bit hard to coalesce my thoughts. Tony recruits Peter Parker. Now, think about this for a minute. Do you really think Disney and Marvel are going to take their most popular superhero, Iron Man, and make the globally... Okay, kind of wording that weird. Do you really think Disney and Marvel are going to take their, their premier like figurehead superhero and make the most popular superhero in the world hate him? No. Realistically, or actually not even. Look, I'm like, sorry, I'm going on this tangent because I'm addressing like a direct criticism someone said to me in a Discord server, okay? And like, I, it made me really mad, but they were, they were insisting that Peter Parker should hate Tony Stark because he's like a billionaire and Peter's like working class. But, like, first of all, are you, like, a fucking idiot, okay? I'm going to be mean because that's the dumbest fucking thing I've ever fucking heard, okay? Peter Parker doesn't hate, like, anyone, man. That's, like, the entire point. He doesn't fucking hate anyone. Maybe, like, the goblin because he killed his fucking dumb girlfriend. Like, Peter doesn't hate people. He doesn't kill his villains. He, He doesn't lose his... The whole point of the symbiote arc was Peter getting overly violent and aggressive and angry and giving into his darker emotions. And he hated that. Very famously was not his bag, okay? He dumped that shit. Yes. Our politics informs how we consume media. I am a Marxist. I fucking hate Tony Stark. However, consider one... This is a fictional... Sorry, I'm very worked up because this was just such a stupid thing for me to hear. This is a fictional universe. Tony Stark is not like Bill Gates or fucking like Elon Musk. He's not like 
a pedophile billionaire who rides Epstein's planes, even though if he was real, he definitely would, you know, like he would definitely retrofit, retrofit the Lolita Express with some Stark tech like he would. But he's not real. We can say these people are good people because they're pretend. They're make believe. Okay. And that's not to say Tony is flawless. His flaws are very often explored in these movies. He fucking created Ultron. He created the fucking Omega supervillain of the second Avengers movie. He's created a lot of the fucking problems that the Earth faces in his manic, anxious preparation for Thanos. He's not flawless, but to think he's a bad person. Yes, he's a bad person in real life, but you're talking about like the hypothetical existence of a fictional character. You're fucking stupid. Tony Stark is a good man because he's written that way. He's a fictional character. He is objectively a good person because he's written to be one. That said, Peter Parker would not hate Tony Stark. At best, Peter would be wary of Tony in the way Adrian Toomes' vulture is wary of Tony in Homecoming because he's working class. Peter's Uncle Ben is working class. He likely would have, at best, Uncle Ben would have been like, yeah, I don't like that Tony Stark. He's all rich and he makes his money cleaning up his own messes and shit. The same shit that Toomes says about, that vulture says about Tony in this movie. But personally... I don't think Peter would have bought that. Peter was literally a little kid. If you go back to Iron Man 2, the little boy with the Iron Man mask who went up to like fight uh, the robot or something and then Iron Man jumped in front of him to save him, that was Peter Parker, canonically speaking. That was like a seven or eight-year-old kid. He's He's an Iron Man super fan, dude. Of course he fucking is. What fucking kid would live in a world with with the Avengers and not be like a crazy fan of them or of any one of them? Like, give me a break. And he's going to grow up with that. He's still 15, man. He doesn't know any better. Peter Parker doesn't have the chance to analyze that. Have you ever spoken to a teenager? Have you ever really sat down and talked politics with a 15-year-old? Give me a fucking break, dude, to think, Peter Parker at this point in his life would have any genuine cogent analysis of Tony or any awareness to think of the flaws of the man. He's only ever been fed his good side. He doesn't even know the bad shit he's done. Like, give me a break. That's so fucking stupid. That being said, let's back up. I already said I don't like the suit and the suit's bad and stupid. Peter Park for the so actually interesting for the same reason that I think that Peter Parker being who he is in these movies works because he's young. Like he's naive. He doesn't know any better. He's already idolizes Tony and superheroes. Like it works for him to be this little, to want to be Iron Man's protege when given the chance, of course he would jump at the opportunity. He's dumb. And you hear it in homecoming. He's talking to Peter or to Ned and Ned mentions that they have a quiz or something. And he's like, dude, I'm not coming back to this high school. They moved the Avengers campus like upstate. I'm going to live there. Like he'd say, he doesn't care because he's a kid. You need to think about that. Yeah, Peter's a good man. And Peter is someone who ultimately would probably realize he can't do that, which he did by the end of the fucking movie. He rejects the offer to join the Avengers. He only joins the Avengers in Infinity War 
literally by force. That's actually a pro- I'll come back to that. Let me not get started. I'll come back to that. But I was saying, the reason that I think all that works is because Peter's young. And interestingly, that's also the same reason I think the Stark suit is so infuriating. Look at Spider-Man PS4. Peter has the suit with the adjustable lenses and all the gadgets and all the tech and the suit's all wired up. His, like You see it in that game. But also at that point, Peter's been Spider-Man for eight years. He's 23. He's graduated college. He's an adult. And he could do that stuff on his own. Peter's 15 in this movie. He's not going to have done that. Which means that if they wanted to give Spider-Man this fancy suit and all this tech, they had to do it through Tony Stark. And I don't like that. I really wish the Stark suit was like, at, like maybe he gave, like what I re- wish would have happened, right? Like my ideal would have been Peter's like, oh, the suit. Oh my God, it's so cool. And Tony's like, like, yeah, you know, I wanted to, those goggles weren't doing it for me. Those goggles probably were fucking your, fucking up your vision. These are like really nice lenses that'll help you. And I also installed some stuff in there to like, like, I don't know, like maybe improve the efficiency of his web shooters or like, you know, small stuff. I think the main point should have been Tony wanted to, Tony should have come up and like, yeah, the suit was to give you better lenses because those goggles were probably making it difficult to do your job and to give you a design overhaul. Because if you're going to be my protege, you got to look the part. Done. That's it. All this tech is, it's too much. This is stuff that Peter Parker should develop on his own over time that he learns he gives himself these cool web shooter functions he gives himself these cool gadgets you know and even then not everybody likes gadgeted up peter parker but it works really well in spider-man ps4 and i think it does him well because he's usually a solo superhero anyways that being said stark suit sucks the peter tony dynamic not the best would have preferred otherwise but it's kind of necessary for how he was set up in these in this universe and there was never going to be another way to do it. But then let me talk about why I really love this movie, right? There's two things about this movie that really stand out to me. One is the vulture. Adrian to- Michael Keaton's Adrian Toomes, a.k.a. the vulture. He is a perfect Spider-Man villain. Now let's address the critique, right? All of, all of Peter's villains are Tony Stark villains that he has to clean up. Stupid. One, Adrian Toomes is not a Tony Stark villain. Damage Control, led by Tony Stark, is kind of the catalyst, but he doesn't give a fuck about Tony Stark. He hates Tony Stark the way any blue-collar guy in his position would hate Tony Stark but he doesn't have a vendetta against him. Toom started his fucking tech business with the Tinker on his own. Like he was going to do that regardless of Tony Stark. I don't think he would have salvaged all this alien equipment and done nothing with it. Like he was originally going to do before damage control took it away. That wasn't going to happen. Toom's feels like a real person, sympathetic, dealt a bad hand, but ultimately he's still responsible for his actions. He's a rainy villain. You compare him to Goblin and Octopus and 
he's kind of got, you know, he's got a similar, he's a good man at heart. He's a family man. He's, he's committed to and stands by his ideals and by his people. You see that in this movie when he's first screwed over by damage control. And yet you see, he's, you see why he's a villain. Ultimately it's by his own making. He's not doing this fucking shit to survive. He's not being the vulture to survive. He's thriving. He has a massive suburban house, supports his family very nicely, rolling in the money. Like it's kind of a point of the little montage at the beginning. You see how much money they're making. He's living, he's living it up. Michael Keaton in interviews discussed playing tombs as a guy with a victim complex, someone who thinks they're the victim. And at first he was, but it's very much the live long enough to see yourself become the villain kind of thing. He's gotten this lifestyle and he doesn't want to give it up. He's the kind of person who talks about the rich being evil, but as soon as he's, he's given the chance, he's happily joining their parties, you know, like that's the kind of person he is. That's what makes him a villain that and his ability to remorselessly murder people. The one, the killing of the shockers played as a joke, but he's definitely willing to kill Peter Parker. Like he's, He's willing to do that, you know? He's not against killing a child, so not a great person, but ultimately one you can understand. At the time, he was praised for being a Marvel villain people actually liked because he was, you know, he felt real. He felt sympathetic, someone you could understand, someone whose motives you could understand. But he does what he has to to protect his livelihood, to protect his lifestyle that he's built for himself with all this money going against the values that he supposedly stood for. I think that makes him a really good villain. He's no Otto Octavius. He's no Norman Osborn. Those are portrayals of their own class. But even then, Otto Octav- uh, Alfred Molina's Otto Octavius is fantastic, but he's not really Otto Octavius. He's more so Kurt Connors. Friend of the show, Kelton from Giga, made that point himself that they kind of took Kurt Connors' personality and relationship with Peter and supplanted it onto Otto Octavius. He's an excellent portrayal and he's an, ex- it's an excellent performance, but he's not really Otto Octavius. People don't hate him. People don't trash talk him constantly for being nothing like Otto from the comics. I don't get why people do the same with Peter here. And that being said, the, the, the thing I hear often against the MCU Peter Parker is that he's not, he doesn't struggle. He doesn't go through Spider-Man problems. He doesn't have, like, look, yeah, Peter doesn't have money problems. He's a billionaire's protege. He's not really gonna. You don't really, you don't exactly see Tony buying him a mansion or anything, but, you know, he's fine. That's not something he really has to think about. But then, in so I'm going to address that one specifically, the money problems. He's 15, man, or 16 by the time of, uh, by the time of Infinity War, technically 17 in, in Far From Home, and he'll be 18 probably in No Way Home, you know, his high school years. And really think about it 
Peter's not really going to have money problems, or at least they're not going to have time to explore those. Not in Infinity War or Endgame, and Homecoming had different objectives. The only place Peter might have money problems is in his home life, where May mentions that they're broke, where May brings up the struggles that she's going through, like Aunt May does in the Raimi movies. And that's fair. But I don't think money problems are the biggest aspect of Peter Parker that needs to be explored while he's still a kid. Now, that being said, the current expectation is that there will be three more Tom Holland movies. It's a bit up in the air because Sony says they're doing them, but Tom Holland seems to be playing coy about whether or not he's willing to do them. However, I suspect he's willing to do at least one more. One or two more, you know? And with that in mind, and these are solo films, by the way, not his contract team-up film appearance that he still has to do. These are his solo movies. I fully suspect those to be his college years if he does come back and do another three. That is the time to see this Peter Parker everyone seems to want to see so bad. The Peter struggling with money, struggling with life problems, and Peter on his own. No Way Home has to, and I believe it will, by the end of the movie, finalize Doctor Strange's spell and have everyone forget he's Peter Parker. He will have no more friends. Aunt May won't be able to help him with his superhero stuff. The Avengers won't be able to help him. He won't have Tony Stark's money because Tony Stark or anyone associated with Tony Stark won't know he's Spider-Man. That's all gone. That's the chance to explore that side of the character. But as it stands, when he's at this age, at this point in this universe, I don't think it's necessary. Because what is ver- what is actually critical to Peter Parker, what is actually crucial to his character, is showcased brilliantly in these movies, in Homecoming and Far From Home. Infinity War, Endgame, Civil War, not really. Those are team-up movies. Those are like event comics where Spider-Man is only there because everyone wants to see Spider-Man there. But they're not really Spider-Man stories. They're not really important. Peter Parker is a kid, but he's a person who will always do what's right. His moral compass is solid. He knows what's right, and he will always do it, even to his own detriment. Of course. People, see, I've heard people say that that's not the case, which I think is kind of insane. Because, like, okay, the stakes aren't so high for Peter right now in the first two movies he's in. His issues are he can't have a girlfriend because he's Spider-Man and her dad is the vulture. He can't enjoy his class trip because his superhero shit keeps following him around and far from home. And he complains about it. And I think that's why people don't like it, right? Because they think Peter's supposed to like be upset, but ultimately fully committed to doing what's right. But I don't think so. He's a fucking kid, man. He still does what's right to his own detriment, but he complains about it because of fucking course he does. He just wants to hang out with the girl he likes. He just wants to hang out with his friends. He just wants to enjoy a school trip. He wants to be a kid. 
And ultimately, I think that's going to be solidified in No Way Home because he's going to finally see the consequences of what fucking happens when he doesn't fully commit to that. Peter has this moral compass, but he's not ready to fully commit to it yet because he's a child. He's still learning these things. He was handheld into superheroics by Tony Stark. Tony Stark's gone now, and he barely survived and barely didn't fuck up everything in Far From Home. That's more accurate to Peter Parker, fucking everything up while trying to do right. And I think No Way Home is really going to solidify that because now Peter's about to enter adulthood. He's applying for colleges. He's doing these things. He's going to lose somebody in that movie. Someone's going to die because of him. Because ultimately, he wants to have it both ways. It's in the fucking trailer, man. Doctor Strange is scolding him for wanting to live these two different lives. But he can't. He has to pick one. And that's what he's going to do. I am confident enough in the writers behind the Spider-Man movies to make the right decision. And I will, hand hand to my heart, on God, on my children... I will not shill for this movie if they do not make the right decision. What is that decision? At the end of the movie, when the dust has settled and they've saved the day, Peter has to go to Doctor Strange and say, you were right. I can't live these two different lives. Do the spell. I won't interrupt it. Or, you know, Strange will come to you. Hey, last chance. Do you want it or not? And he says, yes. Point is, They have to do the spell and Peter can't interrupt and Peter has to be willing and know what he's giving up because he knows that's the right thing to do. Now, of course, these criticisms are totally fair, right? Because we're we're talking about a movie, not a TV show, even though they feel like a TV show. You can't possibly know when Homecoming came out that by the time Peter graduates high school in his third movie, he's going to become the Spider-Man we want him to become. You couldn't have possibly known that Tom Holland was going to have two trilogies. Because I think if you did, everyone would be like, okay, I understand that the Homecoming trilogy is Peter Parker becoming Spider-Man. All three movies are him becoming Spider-Man. He jumps in way in over his head in Homecoming, He's definitely in over his head when he has to go at it alone and No Way Home is going to really solidify that. He's not there yet. Of course, if this was a comic arc, if this was 20 years of comic books, as you see Peter go from a child to an adult, that makes total sense. Nobody's going to complain about that because they know that he's going to grow because they know this comic is going to go forever or they know this comic went on for 20 years when they're reading it, so they know, okay, he changes. You can't really look at the movies that way, so that's fair. But I implore everyone to consider looking at it like that. That Homecoming, Far From Home, and No Way Home are a trilogy of movies showing Peter Parker becoming the Spider-Man we all know Spider-Man to be. And at the end of the day, Every real Spider-Man fan knows that Spider-Verse is the best Spider-Man movie ever made. Best superhero movie ever made, frankly. And one of the core themes of that movie is that anyone can wear the mask. Anyone can be Spider-Man. That w- that's what makes Spider-Man so universally loved. Anyone can see themselves in him. He is 
who he needs to be for you. And I think Tom Holland's Peter really exemplifies that for kids. Like a lot of the shit I said, you really think some kid isn't going to be obsessed with Iron Man? You really think some kid who got superpowers, who was approached by Iron Man, wouldn't do everything to bend over backwards to please him, especially after losing his only father figure and being desperate for a new one? It makes sense, man. It makes sense. Peter's growing up now. He's going to change. He has to. That's what he's going to learn in the new movie. I saw people thinking that Doctor Strange is going to become Tony Stark to him, and I think that's stupid. Peter doesn't need that father figure anymore. He doesn't need that mentor. He's moved on from that. He's grown some, and he'll continue to grow. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. And at the end of the day, the Raimi movies are still there. All the comics are still there. You think fucking 60 years of Spider-Man comics hasn't had its fair share of duds of stories that are just awful, that don't understand the character. It's okay to change things. And if you look at the bigger picture of these movies, especially now, I wouldn't have said that before, but especially now that it's confirmed that we're getting three more, I implore everyone to look at it that way. To go back and rewatch these movies and think of it as a three-movie arc where Peter's really becoming Spider-Man. You know, I don't know about No Way Home yet because it hasn't come out at the time of this recording, but I'm confident they'll do the right thing in that sense. The rest of the movie will be fun. But like I said, on my children, if they don't make the spell actually happen by the end of the movie, I think that's really going to tarnish the other two movies for me. It's really going to ruin his whole arc because then his arc isn't going to be completed. And I'll admit I was wrong. I was wrong in my interpretation of these movies being that sort of story for him. But if they do the right thing, like I suspect they will, then I'm standing by it. I think that's the right way to do it. And I think that was the only way they could have done it in this universe. Maybe they could have sped it up. (laughs) You know, I think Far From Home should have done that already. I think Far From Home should have kicked Peter out on his own already. But use it to break open the multiverse. Uh, I can kind of see it from a cynical, cold, logistical standpoint. Delaying that arc for Peter to No Way Home kind of works, lets them do other story stuff also. You got to consider that this is a big, broader universe outside of Spider-Man that unfortunately and fortunately, he has to play in. And that involves the logistics of these stories as well. They have to lead into each other. Eternals was garbage, but it exists because it has to for the broader narrative of the cosmos, of the cosmic side of the Marvel movies. It is what it is. I think that ultimately the movies accomplished what they set out to. And I think they will finally see that realized by the end of No Way Home. I think they will. I'm pretty confident they will. And now quickly at the close of my thoughts, um, I want to touch a bit on Far From Home, Infinity War and Endgame. So Infinity War and Endgame first, because they came first. Like I said, they're fun. They're fine. Uh, they're fun team-up romps. I really don't like, or do I? I forgot. I should have said it earlier. I knew I was going to forget. The fact that Peter's rushed into being an Avenger, he gets the Iron Spider suit. He gets, he gets into the team. I think it completely 
fucks up his arc in Homecoming. He turns down the offer to join them, but Tony kind of makes him one anyway because the world is ending. Eh, not my favorite part of that, but it was fun. It was fun to see him interact with the others. Same in Endgame when he comes back at the end. That big, muddy-looking CGI fight was fun to watch. I thought it was fun. I I love seeing my favorite superhero, my favorite fictional character, get to play alongside these other characters that I enjoy watching on screen. Far From Home, I liked it a lot better than I, I when it first came out than I do now. Far From Home is subpar compared to Homecoming to me. I think the drone shit was super weak. And I think... I think it works well for Mysterio, but here's my trouble, right? Uh, I kind of play it off because I, I look at these villains as characters that should be recurring in comic books. You don't really need to do that for movies. If I knew they were going to make a Spider-Man TV show starring Tom Holland and his villains would be coming back, I would think the drone thing is very bad because that's too much stuff, too many logistics for Mysterio to manage to be a good villain. He can't be on his own. He needs a whole team to function. I think that's kind of lame. But for the movie, it works. And it creates a believable way for Mysterio to create these grand illusions in a less campy way than his theater kid roots. On the other hand, him having a team kind of lets, kind of opens up room for him to never go away because those people hate Spider-Man for ruining their plans. Jake Gyllenhaal's Quentin Beck might be dead. Might not be. I don't think he is. But if he is, Mysterio isn't dead. Mysterio never has to die as long as that entire team of like 30 people still exists. Mysterio can always torment Spider-Man. And in ways that Spider-Man can't really deal with. I think it's interesting. But I don't think Mysterio will return. And I don't think he should in that capacity. If Mysterio was going to be a recurring character, I would have preferred they do a much a much lower stakes method of him doing his illusions. These crazy drones and all this tech from Mysterio works in the setting and works for the movie, but it kind of makes him a one-and-done kind of villain, which is a shame because Mysterio is one of my favorite Spider-Man villains, and the portrayal I thought was fantastic, and I think they did a really good job with the design and the suit. It was great, but kind of a waste of the character, I think, in the end even though Mysterio is usually played for comic relief anyway. It is what it is. The movie's fun to watch, and I can rewatch it on occasion, especially right after Homecoming and leading into No Way Home. I'm going to do that, and I did for this show. But it's not one that I revisit often, not as often as Homecoming. But that's, that's my thoughts. I hope, see, I hope everyone enjoyed. I, this might be, I don't, I forgot to start like a timer, so I don't know the, um, I don't know how much time I've actually spent talking, <laughs> but let me see. I think I sent like a text to someone. Yeah, I started out. So yeah, maybe it's a little short episode, like a slightly shorter than usual, but that's okay. I don't think anyone will mind it being a little shorter in this case. There's not a guest, so there's not anyone really for me to play off of. This is mostly just me rambling into the microphone, which I greatly appreciate anyone listening to anyway. <laughs> you know, Thank you to everyone who's um, who's engaged with the show and listens to it and is uh, entertaining my fantasy of, of, of pursuing this. I think it's really sweet, especially those of you putting up with my super inconsistent 
uh, upload schedule and all that sort of thing. I got a lot going on, so it's kind of tough. <laughs> but I'm kind of making it work. I have a couple guests lined up to discuss the next two episodes. I don't know which is going to come first, but I'm going to talk about Spider-Verse. Uh, I wanted to save it for after No Way Home, but I think No Way I want No Way Home to be the finale of the season. So going to discuss Spider-Verse. And I'm also, um, I can, I think, comfortably announce because he is definitely coming on. Um, mm, I don't actually know his name. I don't know what he wants to go by. The guy from the Casey Jones podcast. Is his name Casey Jones? I should ask him, but I don't think I have time to ask him before I have to stop recording. So him from that guy he's coming on uh we're gonna do a sort of like pitch for the perfect no way home i think that's gonna be fun and i have another guest coming on uh to discuss spider-verse i'm gonna have two guests for that i'm not sure yet and then hopefully if logistics allow and i can remember to ask everybody in time i want to have a bunch of people ideally everyone i've had on already come on to discuss no way home but I also want No Way Home's episode to come out like super soon after the movie. So logistics might not work for that, but I might push that episode just to make it work. We'll see. We'll see if I get lucky. That said, thank you so much for listening. Thank you, everyone, like I just said, for entertaining my podcaster GF dreams. It's very nice and it's very fun to be able to talk about something that's so near and dear to my heart. It's very nice. And, um, very fulfilling even when i just do it on my own for uh, about an hour it's fun as usual uh i'm gonna come i'm doing my uh weekly complaining about stitcher not letting me on but the show is available on all the other most of the other major podcasting sites uh those are all in the link tree of course you've already found it because you're listening to the show find me as usual at Pussy Jihad. Not a single person who follows the show doesn't follow me. But, you know, I need to put something in the outro and such. And like I said, tune in for the next couple. I think the next couple episodes are going to be really fun. Especially if I can get the people on that I want to get on. I did it. I did an episode by myself. Yay. Okay, I'm going to do that again. Okay, good.